0: This episode of Boss Barista is brought to you by the Barista League. The Barista League is hosting a totally new event called High Density. It's a coffee conference that's unlike any other you've ever attended. It's totally free, 100% digital, and it focuses on relevant and practical information that you can actually put to use immediately. The event takes place on March 9th, and it features an international program of speakers, including Willem Davies. Kat Melheim, Freda Yuan, Lem Butler, and Vava Gwenny. Some of these folks have actually been on Boss Barista in the past, and I'm giving a talk at this event called How to Be Your Own Advocate. You can learn more about my talk or about the event by registering at thebaristaleague.com. Hey folks, tax season is almost upon us, and if you're like many service workers, you've probably juggled a number of different jobs and gigs in your life. But if you already feel your blood pressure rising, take a breath. To help soften this already stressful time of the year, we're re-airing an episode with Tiani Wright of Coffee and Tax. Listen along and she'll help you figure out how to file correctly and how to stay on top of your money all year long. Hey friends. This is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Probably one of the truest statements someone has ever said about me. And by somebody, I mean former guest James Hoffman, whose episode aired on the show in February of 2020, is that I love to talk about money. And it's true. I do. I love dispelling misconceptions about wages, I believe in wage transparency at work, and I also want to learn more about taxes. Coffee workers, or really anybody who has ever worked in service or earned tips as part of their wages, has likely been told a number of conflicting things about taxes. Declare your cash tips. Don't declare your cash tips. Your tips cannot be taxed you owe a tax liability at the end of the year. The varying narratives we've been told about taxes can be confusing at best and financially harmful at worst. My guest today is Tiani Wright, a tax professional and founder of the group Coffee & Tax. Tiani wants to help coffee folks get financially literate, and a lot of that has to do with being open about talking about money. Tiani wants people to get to know their pay stubs, to ask questions about their W-2s, make sure that their bosses are deducting the right amount of money from their wages. Being financially literate means being in control of your financial future and knowing where exactly your money is going. Here's Tiani. So just to start from the very beginning, can you introduce yourself for everybody?
1: Yes. My name is Tiani of Coffee & Tax, and I am the founder of a nonprofit organization, Coffee & Tax. And what we are, a nonprofit organization designed to build and support initiatives that shine a light on marginalized individuals, specifically within the specialty coffee industry. Um, And we also are design and build initiatives to encourage tax literacy among not only baristas, but um, specifically Black people, uh, marginalized individuals, those that are often um, uneducated, or I don't want to say uneducated, but just um, unaware of certain things when it comes to financial literacy, specifically tax literacy. So, we like to encourage tax literacy as a part of financial literacy and overall wealth building because it's such an important thing. And I think a lot of times people often forget about the tax portion of things when we're talking about building financial wealth and um, being financial literate, financial, financially literate. So um, that's who I am. I started the organization about, I'd say, I'd say about a year ago or so, but I had the idea for a couple of years now. Um, So we're just getting the ball rolling with really honing in on what our mission is and really, truly trying to see how we can be of help to just people all over.
0: That's incredible. Um, I think somebody mentioned to me when. I was recording an episode of this podcast with them. They're like, you love to talk about money. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because not enough people talk about it. But like where coffee and taxes kind of come together. Um, but I wanted to kind of isolate those both separately just to start. So where does your coffee story start?
1: Wow, my coffee st- story started when I was very young. I'd probably say five years old. Um, my grandfather, we used to go to lunch after church every Sunday. And we go to like this, you know, smorgasbord or, you know, to to out to eat. And he let me get coffee. And it always made me feel just like such a big girl at at such a young age. You know, I felt like such a big girl. And it kind of stuck with me since then. It was something that I always enjoyed. I love the taste of it. Um, And I just always got a great feeling whenever I drank it. Um, And from there, I remember growing up as a little girl, always wanting to own a cafe. You know I thought that would be such the coolest thing to do to you know be around something that I love so much and even at, into adulthood I tried to figure out ways that I could you know open a cafe or have that under my belt but um, life wouldn't really have it that way uh not in a traditional sense so I always consumed coffee but I could never really get into the industry of coffee because I started as I grew up, I started a family and You know, I just, I got into, you know, your traditional sense of work as far as like corporate settings and things like that. So that's kind of like where my life took that turn, but I always just wanted to maintain that love for coffee and learn more about it or as much about it as I possibly could. So it's always been a part of my life, always been a part of who who I, well, it is a part of who I am. And I just am so excited at the thought of diving deeper into, the industry and learning as much as I possibly could. Right now, I'm coming from a consumer standpoint, but I hope in the future to really like gain more experience and knowledge and skills when it comes to coffee for sure.
0: And where does your like tax, I guess your tax story or financial literacy story start?
1: So that's an interesting one. Um, I remember growing up, finances weren't really the thing Talked about in our home. Um, I I come from a family of a, a single mom. For the most part, she was you know a single mom, and her relationship with money was uh, not not the best. You know, it was kind of a situation where if I if she didn't have the money to pay for something, she just didn't pay it, and it wasn't really discussed with me how to think of money, what to think of money. And so I kind of grew up with the attitude of, well, if if I can't pay it or if I can't do something, I just can't. It wasn't until I started a family of my own. um, I probably was about 28 years old when I really started to pay attention to finances and money and everything dealing with it. Because of course now I'm married and it's not just me. And I have children to think about, a husband to think about, who was when I met him, he was really good with money. And, you know, I felt like I couldn't really contribute to the conversation because I didn't know much about it. Um, And it was intimidating. It was very intimidating to me. You know, I felt like because I didn't know about money and I'm already probably close, you know, in my mid to late twenties, it didn't make sense for me to learn it. But as my kids grew older, our kids grew older, Um, I began to see the importance, you know, of paying attention to those things. You know, I wanted to be a more responsible parent. I wanted to teach them all of the things that I didn't know growing up. You know, it was a situation where when I was 16, I remember getting my first paycheck and my mother took me to have my taxes prepared. And I sat there the entire time. I, I was so disengaged from the process. I wasn't involved at all. Um, I don't know what numbers were ran. I don't know, you know, I didn't know anything. And I remember that just so vividly. And, and I remember, you know, being in my an adult and not wanting the same thing for my children. So I think that's where my story stemmed from, just finally coming to a point in my life where I was like, you know what, it stops here. I don't want to raise our children not knowing or having that same experience that I did. And I know if I had that experience, there are so many other people out there that probably had the same. So I took it upon myself about maybe, well, I didn't take it upon myself. I was actually introduced to it by a a friend and a colleague, a former colleague. Um, But she introduced me to taxes about maybe like five or six years ago. And because I wasn't, (laughs) I was in no way a math guru or I wasn't involved, you know, in money before then, um, it was intimidating, but I did, I did jump into it because I knew it was something that I, I needed to do. So it's what's kind of led me here to the point where I am today. And now I'm just excited about, you know, furthering my education when it comes to taxes and money and financial literacy.
0: I like that you mentioned that you're not necessarily a math guru, because I think it could be really easy to think, oh, this person is good with numbers or, oh, this person has a mathematical background or an accounting background. Um, So that makes them more inclined to be interested in taxes. But it seems like that's not the case. And that kind of makes it like more accessible for people um that this is something that they can understand like this is something that they can dive into and build their own financial literacy without being you know a math whiz or somebody who's necessarily like super competent in um analytical things um so i was wondering if we could talk a little bit about um wealth building and that idea of ensuring that you are financially not necessarily taken care of, but you understand like where money is coming from. Like, how do I think about my own life and how do I think about the finances? um, How do I think about my own finances as an adult? So I was wondering if you could talk about the idea of wealth building um, and why that's important.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I know for me, um, I don't want to say, to be honest with you, I could be completely frank. I don't want to say that I don't want to say that people don't really have a similar story or a similar um, upbringing or experience, don't have similar experiences as most Black people, but I can only speak from my perspective as a Black woman, as a Black person, Mm -hmm. as growing up in, you know, Black community and things like that. I mean, finances, I know that's a huge issue within our own community, you know? Um, And I know that a lot of parents, because they weren't necessarily taught Um, Within our communities, how to think about finances. Um, They don't really know how to teach their children. They don't really go, and and again, I'm not saying that it's all Black families and things like that, because I have plenty of friends that, you know, grew up the complete opposite. But I do know that it is an issue, specifically within the Black community. And I definitely think it's important to realize, you know, the older we get, how important it is to really change that narrative, you know, change it specifically for our children, you know, change, you know, growing up as a child, it was mostly to be honest with you and completely frank, you know, people, Black people that were uh, tax preparers in in the community were often looked at as if they were scamming, you know, or they weren't being honest or truthful or things like that. And that's not necessarily the case. Okay, so where did that stem from? You know, does it stem from a place where um, it's a little bit more deeply rooted as far as like maybe, you know, Black people aren't as financially literate literate as they should be? I mean, I'm not really sure where it stems from, but I just know that the narrative then was insanely inaccurate. And I know it's probably not as much that right now, which is awesome and it's great, but I'm here to kind of further that, you know, that that idea that that's not the narr- that's not the true narrative, you know. We are just as concerned about finances. We are just as concerned about educating our children. We are just as concerned about money and wealth building. And I think more so now than ever, people are seeing that across the world that we're fully capable, we're fully um, prepared, and we're ready to really contribute to the overall success of our families, our children, our legacies, you know, things like that. So I think it's important to definitely really understand how um, we just gotta take a look at it and see that financial literacy it, it, across the board is important for absolutely everyone. And I think when we talk about financial literacy and we talk about wealth building, we don't really get specific enough because included in financial literacy, included in wealth building and le- legacy building is taxes. Like we cannot leave that part out because it's such an intricate part of it all. And you know, I like to say that there is no complete um wealth building or financial um success sans Knowledge of taxation, like we got and we have to know it. It's a part and it's something we all have to do. So we can't ignore it. We can't leave it behind and just focus on other things, you know? So I think we just really got to take the time out to make sure that, it, that it's being included in the conversation. Um, yeah. Sure, that, because especially when, you know, we have so many young people out here these days that are getting jobs early. I mean, I think I started, I think I got my first paycheck when I was probably. 15 years old, they had programs in place where we would go and work and we would actually make a check. And so many kids then didn't know exactly what was, you know, what that meant. So right. I think it's important to, to definitely um, make sure that taxes are included in the conversation when we're talking about financial literacy and wealth building.
0: Um, I think it's interesting that your work specifically looks at folks of marginalized identities because we can look at like the confluence of all different factors of like race and class and things like that but it kind of comes down not necessarily comes down to but one of the big components of that is money like who has access to capital who has Mm -hmm. access to funds like how many people have savings so that if they wanted to open a business they could rely on like a savings account or something in their checking account or just even understand like financially what they have so that they can build a business or they can take the next step in their career or they can go back to school or things like that. So, um, when you, when you're starting to have these conversations with people, like what are some of the questions that you start to ask or some of the things that you want to kind of highlight when people first start thinking about like, Oh, I have a tax burden or like, I have to file my taxes this year. Like, what are some of the things that like you're really looking for when you first start talking to people?
1: Well, when I first started talking to people about it, um, some of the things that I, some of the questions that I ask them are like, what was their history? Uh, a lot of not necessarily specifically like life story history, but more so financial history, de- specifically dealing with taxes. So I know a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of my clients have come from um, a place where they've dealt with preparers or dealt with CPAs or dealt with accountants in the past, and they haven't had the best of experience. And it's a really touchy subject, specifically dealing with people's money, you know. So people are very sensitive about their finances, very sensitive about their money, rightfully so. And especially if they've had bad experiences in the past, it could definitely put a just a sour feeling in the pit of someone's stomach just knowing that they have to kind of like start all over, find someone new, talk to somebody else about it. You kind of have to go through a process where you're breaking down that barrier first and kind of reassuring them like, listen, some things are w- probably are within our control as a as preparer, CPA or tax professional, some things just aren't, but you know, I'm here to help. And a lot of people often don't look at it that way. They see you as not necessarily trying to help, but just trying to get as much as you can from them. And so I take my time really, um, I ask questions. I, I try to find out their history in the past, dealing with taxes and, and their experiences with different professionals within the industry. But I also probably more importantly, try to get them to understand that I'm here to help. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. the most you know, well known in the, in the industry. I, 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 I'm still learning myself, but at the end of the day, I want the very best for you. So I probably honestly spend most of my time just trying to reassure people that again, it goes back to, to redefining that narrative, right? Just I'm really trying to let let them know like not everybody is here to 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 strip things away from you. And in fact, I really want you to have the most and the best of everything. So just if you'll allow me to to help and to be honest. And people are really receptive to that. You know, I've had clients in the past come to me and they're like, listen. And these are adults, like, and they're like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I just want to know what I'm doing. You know, right. when I'm filing taxes every year, I just want you to explain to me what this line means or what this means. And it can be as simple as that. And, you know, so a lot of people are, are really um, more inclined to kind of, you know, feel comfortable with me because, of the fact that I reiterate to them that I just want to help you. I just want you to be in the best position you could be. I don't like the feeling of you thinking that I'm not here to help. So right. it's more so it's been more so with my own personal experience, a matter of me just doing a lot of time, taking a lot of time reassuring and not necessarily, you know, just probing about questions. Cause a lot of people take that too as can okay, you're asking the same questions that the last, you know, a couple of people ask me, you know, very technical questions about my taxes and my finances, but they really want to know and are oftentimes not, um, I'm not going to say in a position to ask, but in the mindset to ask, like, well, how can you help me? You know, I'm, I've struggled in the past and I just need help.
0: Right. It seems like you've touched a lot on a, upon a, little, a couple of like different ideas that we don't talk about finances very openly. It's kind of this, subject that we're taught to like be very prideful about like be very like both prideful and private about that like Mm -hmm. we want to project that we're successful and that we know what we're doing but we also don't talk very openly about money um and i remember as a barista the first time i got a paycheck um just not understanding at all like where any of my money was going and as I've been a barista over the last 10 years seeing employers treat my money totally differently seeing um me even being scheduled for shifts in a way so that you don't have to pay overtime because like taxes are different on that or like not claiming tips in certain ways um which would then go on to bite me in the butt later and then as a freelancer um not really understanding What my tax burden was so like as as i've been a barista like i've had to confront taxes in a lot of painful ways um so i was wondering if we could focus on baristas first um and look at some of the ways that a barista can like look at their paycheck and kind of understand like where their money is going and what that'll look like come april i mean july for this year but come april when you do file taxes what are things that they should be looking out for
1: for sure. Well, I think one thing that's important for baristas to understand is is very important, and and not just baristas, but we're talking about them specifically, just to definitely understand and ensure that their paychecks are fair and accurate. Um, I think there was a case um, not too long ago. I'm actually in the process of studying. Um, there were a couple of baristas, and they filed a lawsuit against Starbucks because of the mishandling of how the tips were being "quote unquote" collected from. Their checks, um, so it's important to pay attention to paychecks. Um, I know that we oftentimes rely on our employers to do what's fair, do what's right, but there's a lot that we we shouldn't leave in their hands only because of things like human error. You know, there's all kinds of things. So one of the things is that you know errors are the responsibility ultimately of the employee or the barista, um, you gotta be ensure you gotta be sure that the information on your pay stub matches the information on your W2. That's also really, really important. And you should also, a barista should also spot check their paychecks regularly. Um, I know it sounds like more of a hassle than not, than not, but if you could keep, or if baristas could keep accurate records of how many hours they work to ensure that they're getting paid for all of the time that they put in, that's super helpful, super, super helpful because clerical errors can happen. And also pay stubs, they vary from company to company. So it's important to check with the employer to understand that you understand the terms on your paycheck or the the abbreviations on your paycheck. You understand what they mean, what's being taken out, ask questions. A lot of times people are very intimidated and don't want to ask questions because they feel like they're coming off as being, you know, uneducated or you know, not knowledgeable in that area, but it's important. You want to understand what those what those things mean that are coming out of your checks. So when it comes to tax time, you know, or before even then, you have a, a fairly good idea of what you can expect come tax time each year. So they're also, um, like I said, going back to keeping records, I think that when it comes to Record keeping, I think that's probably one of the biggest things I want to I wanna stress is because you can't necessarily put that burden upon your employer. So I think baristas are really going to have to keep keep good record of what it is that they are getting in tips, what it is that they are, how many hours they're working per week. You know, even if it's in a little notebook so that if there's anything that does come up, you know, at least you have record of what has taken place and you can kind of fairly fight that because you've kept your record, you know? So I think it's important, most important for our baristas to throughout the year, just make sure they have a good understanding of what's being taken out, what, what their paycheck looks like and why those things are listed the way that they are. And ask questions, ask questions if they
0: don't know. That's a good point about record keeping. And I think you even saying that just putting it down in a notebook is super helpful I think it's easy to be like oh like what like my records don't mean anything because I wrote them down it's like no that is evidence that's that shows like your own notes and record keeping. And it's something that I advise baristas on if they want to file a complaint with like the EEOC, with the Equal Opportunity Employment Office, I think Mm -hmm. that that's right, Um, Mm -hmm. that that is a totally valid way to keep track of like what's happening around you to take notes and to make sure that you have your own records so that you can show that, hey, but what my employer is saying is actually not accurate based on these notes that I took. What are some common things that baristas should look for on their paychecks like i know that it's going to vary state to state or depending on like how many hours they work but like what are some kind of like expected things that are going to be taken out of a paycheck
1: okay so when it comes to your pay the the paycheck you're going to see your things like your gross pay which pretty much is your total amount of money that you've earned that period um but with regard to taxes you're going to see baristas are going to see things like withholdings Um, So that could be like state taxes, health insurance, premiums, social security, Medicare, Medicare, more specifically, um, some of the things that can often be seen on baristas paychecks. one of the things is federal taxes. So the federal government gets a percentage of any income earned by the barista. Um, So just that's what your income tax is. Pretty much when you hear income tax, that's what it's referring to. Um, Your employer uses several pieces of information to to get that information, and that includes how much you make on an average and how many dependents you say you have on your W-4, and that's how they pretty much estimate the, the barista's federal tax liability. So the estimated amount is divided by the number of pay periods you have each year, and then that amount is deducted from the paycheck. So that's definitely one thing. Um, the money deducted for federal withholding tax is sent by the barista's employer to the federal government, and that's typically how it's done. And then at the end of the year, the, if the amount withheld is more than the actual federal tax liability, that's when a barista can affect, I mean, expect a refund. Um, if it's less than that, then the barista will ta- typically owe So that's when we think about like, you know, people saying, yeah, I got a refund versus somebody that says I'm actually owing, you know, that's where that comes into play. Um, There's also state taxes. So depending on what state you live in, you may be required to pay state income tax and you may not, but just like as with federal taxes, money for state taxes um, are withheld from every paycheck and it shows up as a deduction on a separate line um, as on a separate line on the paycheck. So Baristas can also expect for FICA um, to be taken out, which is, FICA stands for Federal Insurance Contributions Act. It's actually the law that requires every person who works to contribute to Social Security and Medicare funds. So if you see FICA on your paycheck stub, it's pretty much just a deduction for those two federal programs. Some paycheck stubs break out the deductions and show how you're paying for both Medicare and Social Security. Um, For instance, every worker contributes 6.2% of their gross income directly to that fund. um, And every employer chips in an additional 6.2%. So that's typically how that works there. Um, But in cases where uh, a barista is self-employed or is um, an independent contractor, what usually happens is you have to pay both the worker and the employer portion. So the paycheck is, is effectively reduced by 12.4% because you're contributing to both, both both sides. You're contributing on both the employer side and both the employee side of things. So, and then there's other deductions and benefits. So then that's when your childcare comes into play. That's when your retirement contributions come into play, depending on where you work. PTO, like I said, insurance. If you have any flexible spending accounts or health savings accounts, you'll see all of that taken out of your paycheck typically, in addition to retirement and save any retirement or savings plans that you may have. And then you have the net pay and the net pay is pretty much the amount of money that you get to take home um, or the amount that you receive after everything is deducted. So that's what typical, typical um, paycheck deductions and taxes include. Are those things right there?
0: Uh, There are two things I want to talk about because I think one of them is kind of important in the zeitgeist right now. And then the other is just important to baristas in general, but I want to talk a little bit about unemployment and what that looks like right now, especially because I think there's a lot of confusion for people who think that people who are on unemployment are like taking away from the system, but you pay unemployment taxes, like, or your employer pays unemployment taxes. So I was wondering if you'd talk a little bit about that.
1: So, yeah, we do all pay into the system of unemployment. And I think, um, Unemployment for me personally is, is a necessary thing, you know, in in any event or in situations where something happens and you just cannot work, you know, you've say you've worked for years and years and years in whatever the profession, you know, and you pay into these things and you pay into them without question, you know, or complaint. And then unfortunately something bad happens or it doesn't even have to be bad or just there's a period of time where you just can't work or you have to be out of work for an extended period of
0: time. Right, which is true like super right now because a lot of baristas are out of work.
1: For sure. That unemployment comes in, in handy, you know, and it's and it's something that um I think should be taken advantage of. I know that a lot of people don't necessarily uh, I, don't, I don't I'm not going to say I know, but I think there's a lot of controversy when it comes to unemployment and a lot of people might feel as if they shouldn't take advantage of that uh that resource. But I don't think there should be any shame there. I think it's important, especially, like I said before, like I said, because we all do pay into it, you know, and religiously. And I think it should be utilized when needed, you know, and so many people need it. And I think that there shouldn't be. I know that there are going to be just like with everything that we do. There are going to be situations where it's being taken advantage of. But I honestly don't believe that that's the case with the majority of, of, of the situations, you know. And, and again, totally. like I said, right now, specifically, we're seeing so many people are being unemployed because of reasons beyond their control, you know. Right. And so why is it OK now for people to just come to their senses and realize like, OK, yeah, it's needed. We need it. Let's do it. When before people were Some people are, you know, a lot of people are actually like looked down upon because they have to utilize that type, that resource, you know, it's,
0: it's,
1: it's for that specific purpose and reason. I think there are systems in place to ensure as best as we possibly can ensure that it's not being misused or abused. Um, So I think that should be, we should let it be handled in that way, you know, And, and if we need it, or if there's a situation where somebody needs it, I think that they should definitely look into to how they can get it because it's helpful. And not everybody right. that takes unemployment is like doing it with the mindset of this is it, this is the end all, be all. I'm gonna be on unemployment for however, you know, no, I think most people that utilize that resource go into it with an idea like, all right, this is temporary, just until I can, you know, get a get a job or get, you know, employment that's, you know, I think it's I think it's a good benefit. I think it's a good resource. And I think more people should be um forthcoming about their utilization of it because I think the more people utilize it and learn about learn about it the more they can educate other people about it you know and how to utilize that resource in a responsible way
0: right and it seems like it just seems like there's confusion about the role of unemployment in terms of like we pay into this system. This is not necessarily like the government just giving money to people willy nilly. Like when you pay, when you have that uh, pay stub, like part of that money goes to unemployment taxes. So the idea is that like you've been putting money away for the potential that you could be unemployed or something like a pandemic, which more people should stay home for if they can, um, is meant to protect that.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people where where it comes where it gets a little sticky is that we pay into it and we we think about it in terms of oh yeah it's there for us if we need it, but when it comes to other people, I think we then like to pick and choose and we like to dictate how how it's being used. You know, I think we forget sometimes that it's a resource meant to be used by anyone that is unemployed. You know, or who needs the the assistance or the help. So. I think, I think we just got to be a little bit more mindful when we're, when we're doing it that, okay, it's there for us, for me, or, you know, it's there for me if I need it, but it's also there in case it's needed by someone else also, you know, and we really can't control that aspect of, of things as far as like how it's being utilized. You know, we we have a certain amount of control over things, but I think we need to kind of understand that, listen, at the end of the day, we don't have total control over that you know I mean, right. a lot of us just like a lot of the things that we pay into we don't tip we don't really have a lot of control as to what it is that we're that money or those funds are being utilized for i mean of course we have our complaints about it but i mean does that stop anything we still have to pay into it you know so
0: right and i think i think we've been kind of clear on this um but just in case uh this needs clarification there's no like I don't think you and I are like glorifying or condemning anything specifically but the idea is that the information that you're presenting is helping people make more informed decisions and understand like where their finances are going. Um that's not to say like anything's good or bad. Um but I do want to talk about tips um as we start to kind of wrap this conversation up because this is probably where there's the most ambiguity about like what to do with tips. Mm-hmm. I've worked at jobs where I was told not to declare my tips. I was told uh, to declare my tips. Um, you get some of your tips in cash, so how do you work around those? So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how tips are looked at from a tax perspective um, and not necessarily provide advice because you know everybody's different and everybody's needs are different, but just to think about some of the ramifications of like what does it mean when you don't declare tips or like how can that affect you uh, either positively or negatively?
1: For sure, definitely. I think the probably the most important thing for any barista to take away from the conversation when it comes to tips is look at it like you'd rather report tips, you'd rather have that information reported and as accurate as possible than not. Um, when it, cause specifically, when it comes to the IRS, I mean, I'd rather be on. As close to perfect as I can possibly be when it comes to reporting numbers to the IRS, then severely under or just wrong about any of it, you know? Because again, like so many people, so many baristas know or have experienced, it can definitely come back to bite you. And it's not just a situation where it's like, oh, I messed up, you know, Uh, I'll do better next time. I mean, this can really cause some financial detriment in a lot of cases. So I think the most important thing when it comes to tips in my personal opinion is to just definitely, um, in addition to just paying attention to your your checks and your stubs and your, you know, W-2s and W-4s, but definitely um, report any numbers that you have Um, and and cross check your employer, again, to see what numbers they're reporting also. But if it's a situation where you have to self-report, that record keeping for sure is going to come into play and it's going to be extremely handy. And If you have questions or you aren't really sure, report, report your tips. I I know that they say that some um, amounts aren't necessarily reportable or aren't necessarily, they don't need to be reported, but it's probably, it should probably be good practice just to report those numbers anyway. So we all know it's the responsibility of the barista to pay income tax and social security and Medicare taxes on the tips that they receive so again it's important to ensure that employees are reporting those numbers accurately um i know some employers may have advised that cash tips are under the table and non-reportable however again it probably is best to just make a practice of ensuring that these numbers are being reported accurately you know you want to avoid false amounts being reported you want to avoid you know the incorrect um reporting of any of these numbers because again if they're insanely inaccurate, it leaves the barista vulnerable and just subject to audit and subject to having to pay out thousands of dollars potentially in the future. So just, I like to just tell people that it's just definitely, if you have a question, just, just report. Not all numbers are going to be taxable, but just report it anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. In a situation where you have like tip sharing arrangements, um, I know a lot of restaurants and bars, they do that. So, um, If your employer doesn't report your TIPs as income on a tax form, then it's your responsibility as the barista to report those numbers. So, you know, it should be reiterated that non-traditional items such as tickets or other items of value are also considered to be TIPs, and they should be reported as well. Because a lot of people have questions about, like, well, what if I get a lottery ticket or and I win, you know, and I have lottery winnings and things like that? Do I have to report that? Well, yeah, you you report it. You know, I'm just going to err on the side of caution and say, yeah, you should report it. Um, yeah. yeah. If your employer takes on the responsibility of reporting your tips to the IRS on your behalf, then they, again, they say you don't need to report the value of any non cash tips. But again, you don't have to. Everybody's situation is different. And I know people are going to do what they feel is best, which is completely okay. But I think just as good practice, it's probably good to report it. And again, you know, keep good records. And they have a form, actually, it's a form. It's like IRS Form 4070A, and it's actually a form that resists can use to report daily record of tips. Like, I, I didn't even know that that form existed before, but it can be a helpful tool to utilize to kind of keep track of what tips you do, bring in, and, you know, you just make sure you write the date and the amount of tips that were directly paid, any tips from credit cards and debit cards should be on there. Also, the value of any non-cash tips. And it's also important to keep a record of tips for as long as you keep your other important tax documents. So if you keep your tax documents for a minimum of a year or two years or three years, which is what they say they recommend that you keep them for, then you should probably also keep a record of your tips for that long as well, just in case you need to go back and bring, bring, it, bring it back on the table at some point. Um, let's see. Baristas should also be sure to file a W-2 on a tax return as well as any overages that they might have because those might also be subject to Social Security and Medicare taxes. Um, But yeah, when it comes to tips, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is just accurate record keeping, Um, just knowing if you are self-employed, if you are an independent contractor, that you're going to have to report those amounts yourself so that regardless of if your employer is going to be uh, reporting those numbers on your behalf or you're going to be reporting those numbers regardless important record keeping or, or accurate record keeping is going to be very very helpful helpful to you when doing so and again on just as an air caution is probably best for for reasons to go ahead and and to report all numbers when it comes to tips just just because
0: <laughs> is there anything else that you think baristas should know or other coffee professionals should know as we uh close out the conversation
1: for sure um there's a couple of things um that i think baristas should know especially when it comes to filing taxes every year so the first thing i think it's important to prepare ahead of time so not just think about it when tax season arrives and it's time to actually file like be thinking about it throughout the year Um, and so a couple of things that baristas can do in order to actually prepare to file is remember that tips are taxable, including cash tips, um, report all tips to your employers, and especially if they total $20 or more. And again, it goes back to, they have to be reported if they're $20 or more, if, and if they just as a good practice, you should probably report it regardless. So, and know, it's also important for baristas to know what counts as a tip. So what counts as a tip are things like service charges, um, fees and service charges. Uh, and some of those service charges can be things like bottle service or room service or delivery charges and gratuity. Things like this are also important to know because, again, these are, these are considered as tips. Um. And also too is get familiar with the math. So tip workers usually make money via both an hourly set wage and tips. Um, most people or many people get tips at the end of each shift, however, on the taxes on those tips don't typically surface until the tips are reported to the employer. And then the employer then withholds the appropriate payroll tax from the employee's paycheck. Um, it is possible that the hourly wages on the barista's paycheck may not cover the taxes that they owe on the tips that they've they've already taken home. If that happens, they should um, be able to make the tax payment through their employer or have their employer deduct it from their next paycheck. So get familiar with the math if possible um, and it's gonna be very helpful. At the end of the year is when they'll receive the W-2 reflecting their wages and the tips that were reported. So a copy of that will go to the IRS and then that's a copy will come to you and that's what you'll use to file your taxes each year. And again, if tips aren't reported or are reported inaccurately, it can be costly to the barista. So it's probably best practice to try and and get a good grasp on it throughout the year instead of waiting around tax time because then it'll, if there's something that it needs to be caught, there's chances of you're going to catch it throughout the year and get, get it corrected before tax time comes and then have to on the back end deal with the whole process and as we know now man you can't you can't get in touch with anybody from the irs right now so i know a lot of people are struggling and having you know issues they can't get their answers covered you know their questions answered it's just hard but but it's not you know it's because of the pandemic it's it's just difficult so it's probably going to be a little bit of a headache throughout the year but I'm pretty sure it'll save people a huge headache at the end of the year, come tax time, for sure.
0: That was Tiani Wright, founder of Coffee and Tax. You can learn more about Tiani and about how to gain control of your taxes by following Tiani on Instagram at Coffee and Tax. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez you can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting... And we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com bossbarista boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode and tag us. That would be amazing we're at boss barista podcast on instagram and boss underscore barista on twitter you can also send me an email at boss podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week